the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Our text today will be 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 10 through 16. I'm reading from the Amplified. It is for this that we labor and strive, often called to account, because we have fixed our confident hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe in him, recognize him as the Son of God, and accept him as Savior and Lord. Keep commanding and teaching these things. Let no one look down on you because of your youth, but be an example and set a pattern for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in moral purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching the sound doctrine of God's Word. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, that special endowment which was intentionally bestowed on you by the Holy Spirit through prophetic utterance when the elders laid their hands on you at your ordination. Practice and work hard on these things. Be absorbed in them, completely occupied in your ministry, so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself. Concentrate on your personal development and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. Hold to them. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Now, in order for us to have a better understanding of this text, we need to remember the context. And what this is is Paul writing to Timothy, who was installed by Paul into the church of Ephesus. And the church at Ephesus was actually founded by Paul and discipled by Paul for three years. And then Paul left. And as soon as he left, people came into the church and started teaching a distorted doctrine, began leading the people away. The church became carnal, and they were following false doctrine. And even the leaders, the leadership became involved in this. Elders, pastors, and deacons were affected. And Paul and Timothy, Paul had just done a recent stint in prison, had been released, and he met with Timothy in Ephesus because the Spirit of God had put it in his heart to visit all the churches that he had founded, and with good reason. 
Because as soon as the apostle would leave, in would come the Judaizers, the false teachers, the enemy. There is a lesson in that. So, Paul and Timothy met up in Ephesus, and then Paul personally confronted two of the leaders, Hymenaeus and Alexander, and he put them out of the church. And because of the extent of the corruption, Paul didn't feel the liberty just to leave Ephesus. The Spirit of God impressed upon Paul to install Timothy in as pastor so that he could continue the work of correction and of teaching true doctrine. Now, Timothy had been with Paul some 15 years, faithfully ministering and serving. He was a true deaconess, a minister, and a friend to Paul, like a son. Faithful. According to the culture, he was considered young. He was around 40 years of age. And according to personality, he was considered timid and shy. Unfortunately, when you're confronting people with the truth, being timid and shy can be a problem. Timothy is in a hard place. He's surrounded by hardened, carnal believers who were looking to discredit and disregard him. And Timothy was losing hope. He was facing aggressive error and hostility. And it seems by our text that Timothy is about to give up on these people. You can almost hear him say, these people are not interested in what I am teaching. This church is dying. It's hopeless. In the text today, what I want you to see is our Father, the Heavenly Father. You can see him put his loving arms around the shoulders of a discouraged minister, a disheartened Timothy, and encourage him on to faith and courage. Let's look at verse 10. It says, It is for this that we labor and strive, often called to account, because we have fixed our confident hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe in him, recognize him as the Son of God, and accept him as Savior and Lord. And your translation may say, with a view towards this. And the immediate question is, towards what? What's he talking about here? Well, you have to look back to verse 8, where it says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness, spiritual training, is of value in everything and in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. It is for godliness that Paul's making the remark, it is for godliness that we labor and strive. And that's what Paul is referencing. And you may say, now wait a minute, Pastor. Aren't we complete in Christ? Isn't this a call to work towards becoming something? Isn't this some kind of form of legalism? No, it is not a call to become, but a call to embrace who you are and how you were made as a new creation in Christ. In verse 8, Paul is presenting two different emphases to live by. One is physical, or to the flesh, which has no eternal value and very little temporal value. And the other is to the spirit. And child of God, that is who you are. You are not the body. The body is not you. We need to remember that. Everybody likes to use that verse at the funeral. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But very few make the, draw the conclusion, we're not the body. 
That's why the body's still here and your loved one is already gone, has left. So Paul writes that we are struggling, striving to live to who we are spiritually. Because we have fixed our faith, our hope on the living or eternal God. It's a struggle to walk in faith, isn't it? At least I find it. It can, it can seem laborious as a minister of the truth in the face of unbelief and hostility day in and day out. I could see where Timothy might get discouraged. You may not face open hostility. In America, we rarely do to that degree, although it's growing. But let me ask you, how easy is it to believe in the abiding presence of God in the face of a temptation to indulge your flesh, to live to your appetites? Great is the struggle to believe you're living an eternal life when your health is threatened. How easy it is to believe that your God is holding you when your job, your marriage, and your circumstances are falling apart. We strive. We struggle. We determine to live by faith. Faith is a struggle. Confident hope in the living God is a determination. And recognizing the salvation of the Lord in all things requires a firm grasp, an intentioned grasp of the truth. Our God is the merciful Savior of all men, especially believers who have been saved from the alienation and eternal damnation of sin. Now, obviously, Paul's not talking about eternal salvation for all. He's referencing the fact that all men, all men are experiencing the grace of God. The lost man who has no love for God and rejects his love and his sacrifice for him, really should fall immediately into eternal torment, but does not, is allowed to live out the length of his days, every day confronted with the opportunity to save his soul through truth. That is the mercy of God. That is the salvation of God. It's not eternal salvation. It can be if they choose it. The saved man who is eternally saved and will move from the frailty of flesh to be eternally clothed in the robes of righteousness, to dwell in the presence of God, he's saved moment by moment by the life of Christ within him. That life that always makes an escape from the work of the enemy and sin. His strength saves us from the futility of our own weakness. Our God is the Savior of all men. If we live by faith, then we will know his salvation in our living. But it's a choice. You are being saved. Even if you're living in a carnal way, you're being saved. The mercy and grace of God as his child surrounds you. It does not. It does not afford you any license. In fact... It's a mercy that in some ways punishes us because we seem to be able to go deeper and farther into our rebellion. But in reality, God's determination towards us never changes. You never walk alone. No matter how desperate and and despicable your sin, you don't enter into it alone. As a child of God, you walk in, in union with the spirit of holiness. And you drag him in, not unwillingly, but willingly with you. And you grieve him. You grieve him. 
over and over again. That's the fate of someone who is determined to live in separation and in, car- in carnality. We don't, we don't ever get separated from God, but we can live as though we are, can't we? God is the Savior of all men if we live by faith. And then when we live by faith, we know his salvation in our living. And then in verse 11, he says, Keep commanding and teaching these things. And Paul is, Paul is telling Timothy, Don't be timid with the truth. Don't be slack or compromising for the sake of avoiding confrontation. I know nobody here can relate to that, but I can. We can all relate to this, not just pastors, because it is so much easier to go along to get along, isn't it? It is interesting to me that when it comes to the inconveniencing of my flesh or some perceived offense to my flesh, I can quickly rise to confront the issue like that. But when it's an affront to truth or some invitation to compromise what I believe, I may rationalize. I may hesitate. I may make excuses. This is a temptation that is common to all. And what it really is is self-protection. It's work of the flesh. It's disregarding the truth because you're protecting your flesh. It's a trap. It's a spiral of unbelief. It's a roller coaster that gets scarier with every turn. This passage could be difficult to teach because we've all dealt with the abuses of the pulpit and the commands of men. But Paul is encouraging Timothy to yield to the Spirit and preach the truth. This is not the command of flesh, but it is a command to be clear with the truth, to be forthright with the truth. Keep, he starts with keep, and that means don't stop. Don't stop, Timothy. Be continually bringing the truth before the people of God. Because why? Because the enemy doesn't stop. The flesh is about us. We're wearing it. We live in a world that's governed by wickedness. The mind, will, and emotion, the soul is under constant assault. We need to be continually filled with the spirit of truth. And the word of God is our defense. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He is our fortress. He is our armor. He is our protector. Paul is telling Timothy to confront error by continually preaching and teaching the truth. How do we confront error? With the truth. You don't confront error with hostility. I've heard it done. You don't bring people out of error with self-righteousness. I've heard it done. Rebellion begets rebellion. And that is the way of flesh. Look at verse 12. Let no one look down on you because of your youth. But be an example and set a pattern for the believer in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in moral purity. Now Paul brings this up because he knows that the enemies of truth would love to use his age as a reason to disregard Timothy. And Paul says, let no one, let no one. And I'm thinking, what does that mean? We cannot prevent people from looking down on us, can we? We can't make people stop uh, belittling us in their minds or in their thoughts or even in their words. It is not what people say about us. Now listen to me. 
It's not what people say about us that hurts. It's what we believe about ourselves. And what hurts most in the words of other people is the lie that the enemy has already convinced us about ourselves. We begin to embrace the lie. And we allow someone mimicking the failed voice of the accuser to draw us deeper into condemnation and anger and offense. Paul is saying, don't believe that the effectiveness of your ministry has anything to do with your age. It is the work of the Spirit. Be yielded to that and be confident. Be an example. The Greek word for example is tupas. And it means a pattern or a model. A model of godly behavior. And there are two reasons to do this. One, it is conformity to the truth within you. That truth is already in you, yes. Conformity to the truth within you and will affirm the truth in your soul, mind, will, and emotions as you're obedient to your true nature. Because it is your nature. You have a new nature. And as you're obedient to this, as you flesh this out as it were, as you walk in the truth of this, you're affirmed. As you begin to love, love becomes more natural. It becomes part of how you live. As you begin to hope, as you begin to pray, as you begin to walk in truth, all of these things become the practice of your nature. You're not imposing something on yourself. You're not shaping yourself. You're not becoming something else. You are literally living out who you are. Now, most of us were born with legs. Did you have to receive the gift of walking? Did you have to have someone come along and put it in you to walk? No, all you had to do was incur be encouraged to do what you were already by birth equipped to do. Right? And it wasn't easy initially, you don't remember that, but if you've raised small children, you'll remember it. There are a lot of bumps and bruises and falling, a lot of failing in the whole process. But you don't see too many toddlers get up and say, I can't do it like he does it, so I'm going to quit. Nor would you, you see a parent that would allow them to. Why? Because that's the way they're made. Be an example. The second reason is that it will silence the accuser and give validity to what you are teaching. Now, here's the thing. The enemy loves to accuse. That's why they call him the accuser. And what really makes his words sting is their accuracy. Now, there's only one way to get around an accurate accusation. Because all you can do is agree with him. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I was bitter. I was angry. I was all those things. You can agree with the accusation, but you will not agree with the lie behind it, which says now you're out of fellowship with God. Now God has turned his back on you, and there's no hope because you are a bitter person. You are an angry person. You're not as forgiving as sister so-and-so. You're not as loving as brother so-and-so. If you were a real Christian, you would have never gone down that road. All of that is complete hogwash. 
Because what is, what is required of you to get beyond the accusation is to stand up and say, you know what, you're absolutely right. That was wrong, and it's not who I am, and I am going to stand up. And in spite of all of these feelings of bitterness and anger within me, I am going to walk towards the person who I counted as my enemy, and I'm going to express the love of God. And I'm not capable of doing that in my flesh. This has to be the Spirit of God coming forth. This has to be the truth of God being demonstrated. And as such... It affirms me in who I am. That is how we grow. We don't grow by being perfect. Who told you that? We don't grow just because we study the Word all the time. We don't grow just because we pray all the time. We grow because we live it. And we give feet to our faith. And the truth is not just something we've memorized. The truth is how we live life. So when you live out the truth, you begin to grow in confidence in the determination of faith. And you know, that is a a huge thing for me. Because you know, typically we all have weaknesses and the enemy will come and accuse you at that point of weakness, won't he? Right? I mean, we all know what they are. We know where they're buried. But God showed me that that weakness has been back around and around and around. And you know what? If I could have rid myself from it, I would have rid myself from it years ago. But God allows it to be there for this purpose. That every time it pulls its ugly head up out of the dirt, I am forced to run in the truth of who I am. I'm forced to discover and to embrace the truth of who God made me to be. I can't live in self-righteousness because of that ugly thing. I can't live in my in my behavior because of that ugly thing. I can't say God accepts me because I do all the right things because of that ugly thing. And because of that ugly thing, I come before the throne and I experience the grace and the mercy of God and I stand up. I don't fall backwards, I fall forwards. And I go into truth. And I live out the truth. And it's happened again and again and again and again. And now the enemy comes and he accuses me. He says, you know, you, you're a lousy Christian. You allowed this thing to happen, blah, blah, blah. And I can look at him and say, shut up. Shut up. I know where that thing's buried. Thank you for pointing me to the truth of who I am. And it's not that. It's not that. Or... We can live the Christian roller coaster. I'm doing well with God. I'm doing good. I'm making it to the top. I'm doing so good. Oh, God forgive me. 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 I'm coming back up. I'm coming back up. Oh, here we go again. Have you lived on that thing? I had my own car. I tried to load it with a lot of things too. Be an example. When you live out the truth, you will grow in confidence in your determination. See, he's losing hope. And how do we battle that? Well, do we have to get God to encourage us to feel hope? Do we have to get God to make something happen that will encourage our hope? No. Is hope something we feel? Or is it a truth that in cases us, that it envelopes us, that literally is the truth of our lives. Isn't that what hope is? Isn't it a part of us? Then I'm not going to live that way. 
I don't care if I'm feeling desperate and despairing in my emotions. All I got to do is watch Lifetime Channel to get there. I don't have to feel that way. I don't have to take on the drama of this temporal life. I can walk in the truth that my hope is in Christ. And that's what Paul's saying. We have fixed our eyes upon Him. Be confident in that. And of course, credibility is established in what you do. Not in what you say, but in what you do. How you live. And if you walk in the truth and are confident in your God, those around you may not be believers. But that's not the point. Those around you may not be convinced of what you believe. But what they will be convinced in is that you believe it. And that's what's important. Verse 13. Until I come, devote yourself to public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching the sound doctrine of God's Word. Obviously, Paul is encouraging Timothy with the promise of his return. And Paul has given Timothy a command here. And the Scripture and the writings of ancient theologians and historians give us some indication as to the order of worship in the early church. In the synagogues, the Jews would have the scripture read, and then the rabbis or teachers would explain them. Now, this was the pattern of the early church. And there would be a reading, and then there would be an exposition. And that was always the emphasis of the early church was the scripture. And as I explained to you earlier, they didn't have Bibles in every pew. So they sat on the edge or stood with their ears inclined to hear every word. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.